0: If you're ready to open your heart and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of Candid Catholic Convos. I can't believe it's Thanksgiving already, but poor Thanksgiving. It's such a forgotten holiday anymore because honestly, it's hard to market gratitude. If you're grateful, you don't really need much. And in a consumer driven economy, we need people to need stuff, right? It's so tough to market gratitude that most retail stores ignore it almost entirely. Some stores even had Christmas things out before Halloween rolled around. And after Halloween, we jump right to Christmas music on the radio. And with so much still going on in our world, it's hard not to. Let's just jump to the next fun thing, right? Why would you want to reflect? What do you even have to be thankful for this year anyway? It seems like everywhere we turn, we find more bad news. Why should we pause and be thankful? Well, for starters, the Eucharist, the entire basis of our Catholic faith, actually means Thanksgiving. This means gratitude is essential to who we are as Catholics because God himself is a gift. We are able to partake in him in his gift every time we receive the Eucharist. And every time we receive this gift, we become more and more generous, more giving, we overflow with love and generosity. Maybe not immediately, but it does happen over time. Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 8 says to give thanks in all circumstances. Or, in everything, be thankful. It doesn't say, only be thankful when you feel like it. It says, in everything, in all things, be thankful. Even in the Mass, we say giving thanks is right and just. It is our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere, to give you thanks and praise. So now I want you to imagine if God took away everything you never said thank you for. Seriously, what if God took away everything you never said thank you for? And I don't just mean the big stuff. I mean the things we take for granted on a daily basis. The things we don't even think about until they're gone. Like we don't think about our health until we're sick. Or we don't think about the fact that we can run or walk. Until our knees start hurting, right? So what are some ways we can practice appreciation for all the gifts God has given us? How can we really cultivate a disposition of gratitude daily, not just on Thanksgiving? I'm excited to welcome back Sister Geraldine Schmidt of the Sisters of Christian Charity to help me come up with some tangible ways to practice giving thanks in our daily lives. Sister Geraldine, thank you so much for joining me again on Candid Catholic Convos. I'm super excited to have you here the week of Thanksgiving. We're always talking about gratitude, like leading up to Thanksgiving, but I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough outside of that holiday. So I'm really excited to uh, kind of expand on this with you.
1: I'm excited to be here as well.
0: The secular science actually backs up the fact that people who practice gratitude are generally happier people. And practicing gratitude has been shown to have far-reaching effects from improving our mental health to boosting our relationships with others. But what if we're just kind of meh about life? Like, we know we should be grateful. By all accounts, nothing is seriously wrong with our lives. But we're just kind of existing rather than being invested. What can we do when we find ourselves stuck in this meh mindset?
1: There's a whole bunch of ways to answer that. <laughs> like, like, wow. Um, interesting, because we talk about Thanksgiving and, and having gratitude. They're different, okay? And part of that meh attitude is understanding the nuances of being thankful and being grateful. Mm-hmm. So thankful, thankfulness, from according to Webster, is an automatic response. It's a habit. You know, it's like, oh, if someone gives you a gift. Say thank you. It, it It's responsive. It, it happens in a short moment. It's a, a response to something given to you. Gratitude, though, it's a virtue. And as such, it's a gift from the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, It's finding joy in the circumstances of your life. It's like... I like to say, look at your feet, metaphysically, like not literally, but look at your feet. And wherever your feet are, there is where you should find God. And if you have that mindset, then you're grateful to the circumstances of your life, even if that if that circumstance is painful and not really happy. Like I'm thinking about, Individuals are dealing with grief, especially around the holidays. That's painful and not happy. But yet, if you can go beyond the pain, you find that God is present. There is the gratitude for it the the gratefulness of of finding God in that circumstance. Those individuals who are like "Meh," they're not opening up their eyes to where God is in their life at that moment, you know, in, in the, in the sunsets or the sunrises in, in the, the brilliance of the frost on, on leaves, you know, or the, the wonder of, of it's snowing like that whole amazing experience that brings up the child within us. It's a matter of perspective, perspective finding God where you are, Cause he's present, you know, and sometimes we walk around in a half stupor drinking our coffee and not really taking the time, you know, to smell the roses per se, not taking the time to, to see how God breaks into our life. Does that answer your question?
0: It does. I, Cause I, I often find myself, you know, personally just kind of like going through the motions and I, it's very easy to, to misconstrue gratitude with happiness of that, like, oh, I'm if I'm not happy, then I'm not grateful. You know what I mean? Like it's but it's it's stepping out of the moment and looking at where God is in our lives. Like you said, like he's in the sunrise He's in the sunset. He's in the fact that we opened our eyes in the morning. So that that does make a lot of sense. It's very, very, in a very interesting way to put it. So. The, the,
1: the most pr- the most gracious and grateful person I have ever met, was a woman who had eight children, all in steps, and the um, the third youngest had some type of um, mental health issues. And she she was getting him help. Okay, he woke up in the middle of the night and began playing with matches and set the whole house on fire. And she buried all the children and her husband except the child who started the fire. Oh wow. And then he was hospitalized. She lost everything. And in do, and like I have, I can't imagine that grief. You know, standing by f- uh freshly dug graves of your entire family and the the child that survived it had to be hospitalized. And I I met him goodness when he was in his 30s. And uh, Eileen, was, she was the most joy-filled and and energetic and loving person I have ever, ever, ever met. And he was also, because her love allowed him to heal and accept what he did, even though it wasn't intentional. It just happened. Finding the joy in the circumstances of your life.
0: Wow, that's very powerful. Cause I can't even fathom, but she was able to to do it. So it is, it is very possible. I read about the Saint Ignatius of Loyola, Loyola. I always say that wrong. <laughs> using a daily examine prayer as a way of reflecting on God's daily presence in your life while also growing an awareness of the movements of God throughout the day. Like we were just talking about. What is an examine, and how can we incorporate it into our prayer lives?
1: So it's a five-minute prayer experience that you do right before you fall asleep. So you look at at a very high level, almost like a bird. Look at the day. Uh, Look at how you responded to God's grace. Look at how you didn't respond to to God's grace. Say thank you for the moments that you did, and, uh, and apologize for the moments that you didn't. And promise to work harder on those little elements um, the next day. What ha- that's a that's a great way uh, of of seeing the fingerprints of God in your life. Um, the fact that you're not alone, and you know, and part of the meh society is, who cares? Who cares if I disappear? You know, well, God made you. He cares. He's present in your life, and the examen. Um, allows you to see that,
0: right? It's it sounds like a really like it would also be beneficial as like a journaling exercise.
1: Could be, yes, could be, could be, yeah, yeah, definitely, okay. and and a great way of of bringing the the times in so, so over a course of time, you can actually see the patterns of of sinfulness um, and weakness in your in your life, and you bring that to the sacrament of reconciliation. To ask, you know, the divine healer to give you the strength to um, heal and to to uh, overcome those weaknesses as well.
0: That's a great idea. Absolutely, we talked about this a little bit, but you know, especially at this time of year, life can get really stressful, and it's very easy to get bogged down in the negative and everything that could be going wrong, or isn't going how we wanted it to, or just trying to manage expectations. And I've heard it said before, usually at the wrong time, that we should look for something to be grateful for in a negative situation. And typically that's hard to do in the moment. But is there a way that we can practice seeing the forest for the trees, for lack of a better term?
1: Taking time to stop and to be in the presence of God. You can do that in your car, you can do that in the bathtub, you can do that in the shower taking time to stop. Because, you know, stress, sometimes stress we put on ourselves. It's like, you know, I'm in charge. I want this to do this. I want this to do that. Who are we? We're not God. You know, and there's some and I I say this jokingly because I do that I'm I'm human. I do the same thing. You know, and are we trying to be the Messiah? Are we trying to be God? Are we trying to make to morph our life into our own image and likeness rather than surrendering to the rhythm of what God wants us to do. Mm. So the gratefulness doesn't come with a with the negative situation. The gratefulness comes in the fact that you know you're not in charge. He is. And to surrender to that, that you're just a mere creature, you're not part of the solution. <laughs> you know the solution comes from him you're his vehicle, you're his instrument mm,
0: i like that cuz like especially with the holidays it's it's oh i have to i have to plan this i have to mail this i have to you do all the things and we forget that it's not it's not just us doing it
1: i, I can remember um many 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 years ago when i was living in the bronx teaching in in a uh, middle school there it was during advent and it was a Saturday morning and there was only a couple lights on in the church right before mass. And it was like maybe 20 minutes to eight. And I went there to pray morning prayer before mass started. The pastor came out and I listened to his hard leather heels on the white marble going back and forth, setting up for mass. And it was like, you know, across and across again. And, and after he set up everything he had to do, he came down from the sanctuary and, and um, genuflected and sat in the first pew and went. And it was like the second week of Advent. And that's what Christmas happened to me.
0: Mm.
1: Like in the midst of the hurriedness to stop and to focus on him.
0: That's a really great point and a really good, really powerful image of there's a lot that, that is involved in getting set up for a mass, just like there's a lot involved in getting set up for anything in life, anything big going on and can't really think of anything much bigger than Christ coming back. So that's that's very powerful. It's a really great way to think about it. So let's talk about the opposite of being grateful, which is being ungrateful. I heard a saying once that God never stopped being good, we just stopped being grateful. And St. Ignatius believed ingratitude to be, quote, the cause, beginning, and origin of all evils and sins. So, what's the difference between being ungrateful and taking gifts for granted, or are they the same thing?
1: No, they're not. So, biblical gratitude is grounded in God's love for us, not just all humanity. But God's love for me, Sister Geraldine Schmidt, like God's love for you individually, you know, or or if you take it this way, the moment in which we receive communion, God's thrilled at that moment to be one with us. And often we think of the opposite, like we're thrilled to be one with God. No, he's just as excited to be one with us because he wants and desires relationship with us. So the ingratitude part, you make yourself an idol, you make yourself a little god. Mm. So it's sinful downright. You know, it's like idolatry ended in the old testament. No, it didn't. It's part of the the wolf and 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 the wharf. Of our hearts as human beings it's the op- it's the opposite of being humble, so ingratitude um this is some is a feeling of someone who lives the fact that they're the the god they're in charge they're the ones who's go- overseeing things rather than finding the joy of where you are.
0: Right. The whole mindset of like, I have to make this happen or I have to get it done or it's not going to get done kind of deal. I get it. I get it. That makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense. So another thing that I kind of catch myself doing a lot, and I'm I'm sure I remember my, my mom gave this up for Lent one year, um, is complaining. And C.S. Lewis talks about complaining in his book, The Great Divorce, saying some people grumble so much that they become a grumble. Which I thought was a great line. Sometimes it's hard not to complain. Like when someone asks how your day is going or how you're doing, it's really easy to get stuck on the, you know, well, I didn't sleep last night because my kid was up all night or the car wouldn't start this morning or traffic was just a mess. How do we avoid becoming a grumble and how do we avoid complaining? I
1: think it comes from an understanding of as we grow and become adults and we echo the gift of Christ on the cross in our lives like he Jesus cried out in the agony take this cup away from me that wasn't a grumble though cuz he knew it was coming that was a prayer okay but we grumble because like Christ gives us the cross and we don't accept it we fight about it you know i often think I th- often think of um, Simon of Cyrene. You know, like he was forced to carry the cross for Jesus. Can you imagine being pulled out from the crowd and being involved in this condemned, and not even knowing who he was, mm. this condemned cr- criminal? And yet, when Simon looked into Jesus' eyes, he only saw love, surrendered to that, so the grumble, and I find this myself, when I grumble, uh, somebody gave me a little plaque. It's like a two-inch by one-inch plaque I have in my office, and it's a license plate from Arkansas that's, that says <laughs> G-R-R hyphen R-R-R. Grr. That's how I vent. <laughs> Grr. That's different from grumbling. Grumbling is making you in charge and the and trying to morph the world into your own image.
0: Hmm. That makes sense because that was going to be my next question: is like, what's the difference between grumbling um, or complaining and then versus venting your frustrations? Like, you can be frustrated with the situation, but how is that different than
1: so you you air the frustration? And you leave it there. Grumbling. You air the frustration. You drop it. You look it up and go, oh, I can handle that and put it back on your shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) It never ends.
0: Mm. What was that story about the guy pushing a rock up a mountain? I think it was a... Yeah,
1: it was a a Greek... Greek mythology. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Huh. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. You know, it's
1: one of those things where... Where um the venting kind of like um grows roots and becomes entwined in your heart. Again, you pick it up and you keep it rather than saying it and then letting it go.
0: Right. Instead of releasing it, you let it attach to you. Right. I get that. That's a really powerful image too of it just growing roots and festering not growing like a tree but growing like a virus. And and
1: the only thing that and the only thing that prevents that from taking place is prayer in front of the Eucharist. Cuz I mean that's you know Jesus' body, blood, soul and divinity here. It's it's bringing that moment in time of Jesus on the Calvary and Calvary and on, and the resurrection. Into the 21st century
0: for us. And Eucharist means Thanksgiving, right? Yes. Oh, yes, it does. The other day, my kids brought home a gratitude turkey from school and they were to put all the things they were thankful for on it. And I love this idea. And I want to incorporate more practices like this for them so that they can understand how truly blessed they are. What are some ways that we can grow gratitude within our children? Is it similar to how we practice as adults?
1: No. Children are often much more simpler, and they can see things that adults have forgotten because adults are caught up in whatever. Um, the simplicity of just naming it, what I'm grateful for. Um, my sister does that w- with her son, with my nephew. Three things that you're grateful for today before, the, before he tucks, she, she tucks her son into bed, and her son is now 12. And that's been something they've been doing since he was three.
0: I love that.
1: And it's also good for her because she hears the wonder and the awe of life from the eyes of a child. And it makes her tender and aware of how God works in his life. And he's teaching her, you know, he's teaching her about the perception of the simplicity of of childlike love.
0: That's really cool. And it reminds me, I always talk about my kids ad nauseum, but my five-year-old, both my older kids go to Catholic school and they were asking me the other day why we chose to send them to Catholic school. And I said, it's because I want them to learn about their faith and about God. And my five-year-old says, well, you don't have to worry about me, mommy. I've believed in God since before I was born. So I know God and I love God and we're good. And... That really rang home for me because when he was born, he wasn't breathing. He was blue and they had to revive him. So that to me, that was like, oh, my gosh. Like, he's like, I've known God since before I was born. I was like, he he probably does. He probably got to meet him up close and personal. And he's carried that with him. And that was just like to hear it come out of the mouths of babes is like,
1: oof. Children can express things that, you know, our our intelligence says, "Ah, just it's it's make believe." I don't think so.
0: Right, like we try to reason it away.
1: I don't think I I I was I was ta- leaving church. This is a complete other story. But I was leaving church one time, and I have a great devotion to my angel, and um, talking to my angel over something I have no idea what, and this five year old comes at. And I I've known him since he was a baby. Like I, he was a week old, and I actually held him. So you know I I've known known him um, since he was a baby. Anyway, he comes bopping up to me, and he calls me up. He goes, "Sister, I want you to know that your angel's standing behind you." Now he has no idea that I was praying to him, my angel. No, no. He goes, and I've never seen an angel that tall. Wow. And his mother is thinking that I'm placating him, like, "Oh, how nice!" I went, "You know what? Every angel, everybody's angel is a different species. They look so different." You're telling me, <laughs> which says to me that he sees them.
0: That is wild. That is wild. I love that. I love hearing that come out of kids. They just—they never cease to amaze.
1: Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. And and part of that too is for adults to, to own that joyful, childlike, not childishness, but childlike attitude, especially when we're dealing and, and praying to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of the entire universe, universe who hungers after us to be food for us, to be one with us in a way that is intimate, and blends with our entire being.
0: That's beautiful. Sister, thank you so much for joining us. I am grateful to know you and to have you on our podcast and I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Rachel, for inviting me. This has been a, a ultimate joy.
0: Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org DAC and clicking the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.